0: Of that song, Maggie? Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you. That's beautiful. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. We're continuing our, our study of the book of Revelation. You say, well, What about Christmas messages? Well, there is one right here in Revelation chapter 12. It's pretty amazing. In fact, the title of the message is called The, the Nativity as seen in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. The Nativity is the occasion of one's birth. And of course, when we talk this time of year about the Nativity, we know we're talking about uh, the birth of of Jesus. And uh, you know, the the depictions of that, even if you read it um, in just a cursory fashion in Matthew chapter 2 and and Luke chapter 2, if you read the account of uh, the Nativity. You know, and it may come across as just sort of this very serene, uh, peaceful, nondescript uh, setting. And what we don't realize, and what's going to be accentuated here in the context of which we're going to see it today, is that this event was surrounded in the unseen world by spiritual warfare that is unimaginable. And the implications. Of what was happening on that occasion, believe me, it was not loss on the enemy. Uh, the wicked one, our adversary, he knew exactly what was going on there. And within the, the, the heavenly hosts and within um, the forces of one-third of the angels that had departed with the wicked, rebellious, uh, ungrateful uh, Lucifer, um, you know... The the darkness that was swirling around that occasion and the light that confronted it was really without match, I think, throughout the ages. You know, there's there's a reason why the Bible says that there was a multitude, what, of the heavenly host on hand. Now, I don't know how exactly God spreads out the heavenly host. A host is is part of the army, right? Right? God is, he's the, uh, you know, the Jehovah, the, the Lord of hosts, right? He's, he's the commander-in-chief over the heavenly hosts. And so we don't know exactly how they're spread out at any given time. Um, you know, we know that, that churches have members of the host. We have angels that are, that are assigned to the churches. Um, I'm grateful I've, that we, you know, biblically, we, if we're a biblical church here, which we're striving to be, gospel-centered church, we have an angel or angels that are assigned to us here to, uh, to look out for us, to guard us. Probably things that we, can't, we don't even know that are going on at any given time, right? And uh, um, that's, a, that's something to think of. But on the occasion of Jesus' birth, we do know there that there was a multitude. There was a multitude of heavenly hosts that were gathered at that, at that time. The forces were assembled there. And the reason why is because the, the the threat was big, the threat was big, and uh, and so uh, you know think about that a little bit when you think of the nativity here today. Look at it within this context, and I think this will open up some new truths to you. I don't know about new truths, but some maybe a little bit of a different perspective, a new way of thinking about the nativity, and uh, and and what a huge event it was, and uh, what was at stake there. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help us now as we look at your word, Lord. Speak through me, uh, just a, a fragile vessel, uh, Lord. I stumble at my words at times. I can't always think as clearly as I'd like to, but Lord, your word is true and it's pure and it is what we need today. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help for me to be a, hum- a humble and faithful proclaimer of it, Lord, to be able to partake of your grace, uh, to enter into these, these truths that are of tremendous magnitude here today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we look here at Revelation chapter 12. It says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. And the word for wonder there is a sign. And so this is something that God, that uh, um, the, the uh, John, who was transported through space and time, he was shown some depictions of some things. He was shown some literal things. He was shown some signs and some wonders. All right? And uh, so here he's, he's, he's telling us right off that, that, that this was a... This was a sign. It was something that was meant to uh, be symbolic of, of something. And, uh, and so it says, There appeared a great wonder in heaven. And this is what it looks like to him. A woman clothed with the sun. Now, right there, you know, that, I mean, that's something that I don't think I would ever have described as ever seen, right? A woman clothed with the sun. That's, that's different. Um, so something that was very bright and, uh, and something that was stunning and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. In verse number two it says this, And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And so the first point here that I'd like for us to, to consider is the foretold woman. The foretold woman. Let's go back to Genesis 3, chapter 3, verses 15 to 19. Genesis chapter 3, verses 15 to 19. Now, some of you might know of this passage already, but it's called the Proto-Evangelium. It, uh, it's the first, really, uh, explanation or depiction of the gospel um, in the scriptures. And uh, the Book of Beginnings, yes, it has the gospel in it. And so here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. So he's talking to the serpent here. Um and, uh, and he says, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And so there is something that is going to be uh, come from this woman that is going to be, as a result um, of this woman, uh, something of the lineage of this woman, that um, the seed of this woman, that would ultimately bruise the serpent's head. And it says, I'll put enmity between thy seed and her seed. And we know that the devil does not... Is not involved in reproduction, but again, it's the idea of some things that are going to come from out of the workings of the serpent. Um, we know that one time it was preached, you are of your father, the devil, right? Does the devil ha- actually have you know, physical offspring? Well, no, he doesn't, but he does have spiritual offspring. He does have those who have come as a result of his working come to be a part of his dealings, right? And, 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 uh, and so there's the seed of the woman, uh, whoever she may be, and the seed of, of the serpent. There'll be an enmity there. And then it says this, very interesting, it shall bruise thy head. Well, he's talking to the serpent here. The it is the seed from the woman. So that which was going to come ultimately from this woman was going to crush the serpent's head. And it says, uh, and and thou, the serpent, through his dealings, would only manage to bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Well, if you have an injury, you know, like I've gone through uh, here recently, you know, I'm healing from that. I mean, it was was a tough injury. Like an injury to the heel, I mean, that would be hard to deal with, right? You have to put weight on that all the time. But you, you heal from that eventually. It was a serious blow. And it seemed, you know, to maybe be worse than what it was at the time. But there was survival beyond that. All right. Well, what happened when, you know, the devil, he thought he'd gotten this death blow on Jesus, right? On the cross. Well, what did that end up being? It ended up being like an injury to, his, to, to the heel. When he resurrected, you know, totally moved beyond that. There was no lingering consequences You know, as far as um, any sort of mortal blow goes there. But at that same time, think about it. At the time when the devil thought he got his greatest victory, you know, ending the life of Jesus, that turned into the resurrection of Jesus. And at that time, the devil, he's he's totally defeated. I mean, to this day, he's he's working as a defeated one. All right, we'll see more about that in the passage here in, in Revelation chapter 12. But his head, as it were, has been crushed. There's a mortal wound there that he'll never recover from. And, uh, and so that's what, what uh, um, you know, Genesis chapter three, uh, 3, verse 15, in the context of mankind fallen. Hey, that was a pretty good time. Fallen. <laughs> Who can orchestrate those things, right? Um, and, uh, and, and all the consequences of man turning from God and doing their own thing, the Proto-Evangelium was given. Hey, this looks like it's a really dark day for mankind. I mean, the wages of sin is death. Upon the day that you disobey me in this regard in relation to this tree, thou shalt surely die. <laughs> there was a separation from the life giver at that time. I mean, it doesn't get much more gloomy than that, right? That's a terrible thing. We're in the midst of that. And it wasn't like, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they were like, oh, no, man. Look what happened here. That miserable serpent beguiled Adam and Eve, and now he they, they they went along with it. What are we gonna do now? We gotta come up with some sort of plan to salvage the thing here. This went wrong in a hurry. The wheels fell off. We gotta come up with a with a solution. It wasn't like that. The Bible says before the foundations of the, of the world, you know, God had this plan. Why? because he loved the idea of mankind being able to have a personal relationship with him, the crowning jewel of creation. Humans having the capacity of having a genuine relationship with their creator. Now, he knew in order for uh, genuine relationship to be a possibility is there had to be a freedom of of choice and will in that, right? I mean, if, if you're programming someone to be your friend, it doesn't really mean a whole lot, all right? If you're bribing or forcing somebody to do that. But if, if within that, that relationship there can be a heart-to-heart, there can be a love there, there can be a connection that, that is desired and fostered, then that's what God saw the potential of in mankind. But along with that was the, the freedom to choose that which was wrong, right? And so God had a plan. He had a plan and through the very one, the wicked one, who would want every human being to go down with him and to, that whole thing to be short-circuited, for them not to be able to ever have that connection with God, for that very one to be crushed through that plan ultimately. And so that's what's going on there in uh, Genesis 3.15. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, 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 go back to, uh, to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And so this woman here, this wonder that is seen, You know, it's not just a mere person, but it's a marvelous plan. It's a plan uh, through which God has worked through a specific people uh, that that, that he chose to work the plan through, to uh, the lineage, uh, to bring uh, forth Jesus Christ, to give us his word, to be preserved uh, through these people, uh, for for Jesus to be pointed to, for the need to be represented in, for all those things for which he worked through through Israel uh, according to his plan but also um, through his church. You know, there's a, there's a lot of effort, it seems like, to divide Israel in the church. And I realize that Israel isn't part and parcel of the church, and the church isn't Israel. But they're both a part of God's plan. They're both the mechanisms through which Jesus wanted to bring forth that which brings glory to him and which brings people into a personal relationship with him. So in that sense, there is no competition there between Israel and the church, even though they're not the same. Okay, And, uh, and so God had a plan, and uh, it was a wonderful plan through this foretold woman that we saw way back in, in, the, in the book of, uh, of Genesis. It says, and she being with child cried, and travaileth in birth, and uh, pained to be uh, delivered. And uh, and so, you know, it's it's as if there was this long labor, right, uh, that led up to the, the eventual birth of that which was truly needed. Like the plan now being fully manifested. All right, we can see the reality of it has come. You know, before Jesus, they all looked forward in faith to that. Since Jesus, we all look forward in faith, you know, back to that and live in the reality of that. And it's documented and, and it's a preserved for us. We have the truth of it. Um, but, you know, it, it, was, it was like there was this long labor of it through the Old Testament. And, and uh, you know, the fallen earth has been groaning as well. And mankind, uh, we have problems and there's hurts and there's injustices and there's wounds. And uh, there's so many things, there's suffering that is happening in this fallen, groaning world. And then, and then that whole process of God using Israel and they were a rebellious person. And, and it just seemed like, you know, uh, the labor pains and, and, and the, the, everything that went into the, uh, to that. Um, is certainly we can, we can see that, that that's true. And, you know, back in, if you look a little further back in Genesis chapter 3, it actually talks about that. There was going to be this pain in, in childbearing. He says that to the woman, and uh, it wasn't just for 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 Eve, right? Um, You know, my my wife has had eight children, and every one of them was a pain. Oh, (laughs) come on, Carl, right? Uh, Yeah, but you know, just being in there with them, you know, and seeing, but then the joy that came from that, and 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 once that child is born, it's like you know, almost instantaneously, it's just that whole. You can just see that whole body. This was totally worth it, right? and so, in that great spiritual picture, that, that, that wonder that we see here, um, it says, And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. So that's the foretold woman. We'll, we'll add to that a little more as we go through the passage. But then next we see a fearsome enemy. A fearsome enemy. He was already depicted back there in Genesis chapter 3, and he was already spoken to. He was dealt with, as it were. But it says here in verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon. That's how he's saying, you know, I just saw it. It's like this great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And it is interesting, you know, you look at the number 12 that was associated with the woman. There was 12 tribes of Israel. There was 12 apostles and 12 disciples. And just that whole working of God uh, for the gospel's sake. And then uh, here... Um, uh, some of the things that are depicted further in the book of Revelation of some of the, uh, the, the, uh, the world um, uh, throughout history, the empires, the, uh, uh, those that have been in charge here in the, in the earthly system, and even at the end times, how there's going to be uh, some more um, uh, uh, governments that are going to come about. And, uh, and so it says here, with this dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And so we're reminded here that really the system that we have in the world right now, it's, it's Satan's system. It's his system. I mean, sometimes we get a little, like really frustrated because we're kind of on the mindset that we want you know, heaven to be upon earth right now. Well, look, it's the dragon system that's going on here. I mean, you know what ultimately ends up being taught in schools? When you subject it to human government, his system, (laughs) godlessness, you know, when you you leave government to their own devices apart from the word of God and God is pushed out and the Prince of Peace is pushed out and, and, uh, you know, the gospel is of no consequence, you know what you're going to end up with? You're going to end up with the dragon and his crowns. It's all going to be characterized by that. I mean, when potentially you have a nation, and I'm thankful to, you know, to, to be a part of the United States of America, um, you know, look, I'm thankful for God, how God has used our country for the gospel cause over the, the, the years. The missionaries that have been sent from our land. Uh, the, 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 the dollars that have been you know, used for the, the proclamation of the gospel. That's all wonderful. But the devil hates a nation that would be used in that way. You know why? Because he hates the woman. <laughs> he hates the seed of the woman. He hates God's plan. And uh, so is there any wonder that there's a lot of spiritual uh, um, battle going on over the United States of America? I mean, you know, at, at this point, uh, we're getting to the point where we need missionaries to come here, you know, uh, because there's so much darkness. And uh, because it's all been a part of this, uh, this whole thing that's playing out with this spiritual battle. And you say the devil's defeated, right? Yes, but you know, the Lord's letting some things play out here. Mankind still has a choice. Ultimately, it will bring even greater glory to God when he is fully dealt with. The place that is created for the devil and his angels, all right, they will be relegated to that to eternity one day. We'll see that in the book of Revelation as well. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we've got to be alert. Well, as the Bible say? be sober, be vigilant, all right, be alert. Because your adversary, the devil, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You know who he wants to devour? He wants to devour the kids. We'll see it here in just a... a well, let's, let's move on. It says, um, in verse 4, it says, And, his, hail, and his, his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. This is some history here in the spiritual realm, in the, in the heavenly realm. And did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered. What does it say? for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now we have there the tale of the dragon taking one-third of, of the, the, the stars, and uh, we know that when he was banned from, from uh, uh, um, you know, his, his role in heaven, um, evidently he was created by God to be very influential within the heavenly host. He rebelled against God. All right? When he was dealt with, he got one-third of the rest of the angels to go along with him in that rebellious cause. All right, And so they're the ones that are working on his behalf um, here on earth at this time. Um, but look at what it, what it says here. Whatever he saw that was going to come out of the woman, especially this child, this seed as of one, the Bible speaks of, what was he doing? He was waiting there. Literally, the idea is, wanting to sever its head. That's what he desired to do. The devil is a murderer. And he'll murder children. How do you know that? It says it in the Bible right there. He had no qualms about it. He's all about a culture of death. He's all about ending the life of human beings that would have anything to do with God's plan as it were that came from the woman. To the extent where he wanted to be there at the time that that child was born and to end its life right there if he could. And we know that sometime later when when Herod found out that there was a threat in the land, there had been a baby that was born that maybe was going to be a threat to him as king one day. What did the devil use him to do? The dragon is behind that, killing all children, all boys, two years old and under. You think about what a terrible thing that would be. A whole region. The soldiers just coming in, whatever weaponry they had that day. Okay, the weaponry of today, it would be just coming in, saying, oh, you know, that looks like a two year old and younger right there. Pow. Dismember them. Kill them do away with their lives. Why? Because that's the system of the dragon. He's a liar. He's a murderer. His tactics are the same today as they always have been. He wants to kill our children. (laughs) And uh, if he can't get them physically, um, he'll seek to to kill them spiritually through indoctrinating them with all kinds of nonsense that's not according uh, to to, to God's word and his plan. And... uh, and so it says there that she, um, he was ready, the woman was ready to be delivered. He was there to devour her child as soon as it was boor, uh, born. So this is the fearsome enemy, the fearsome enemy. But let's move on. It says uh, in verse uh, uh, number five, we're going to see the forecasted event, the forecasted event. And here's where we see the, the, the actual nativity. It says, and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. So ultimately, God's working through his plan as depicted by the woman here. Ultimately, his promise of the seed came specifically in the form of a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto God and to um, his throne. And uh, let's go to to Micah chapter 5. Let's go to Micah chapter 5. We'll just keep your finger here in Revelation chapter 12. We'll come back to that. But in Micah chapter 5, I'm going to pick it up in verse 2. And we'll read through verse 4. Micah 5, 2 through verse 4. It says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little amongst thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old and from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. You see the same language here? Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide, for now he, uh, shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. All right, let's go look at Isaiah 7, verse 14. Let's go there, Isaiah 7, verse 14. These are a couple of the instances which uh, thousands of years before, um, the prophecies were made of what Jesus would, would eventually fulfill. Isaiah seven verse fourteen. In the case of the um, Genesis account, it would be thousands of years before, and, and in this case here, it would be hundreds of years before. But regardless, it says uh, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now we know Emmanuel. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 12. Emmanuel means what? God with us. Now think about the magnitude of that plan. The magnitude of the plan through the seed of the woman was to actually bring God into connection with mankind. Because mankind was in big trouble, <laughs> mankind had been defeated, as it were. Mankind was subject to the whims of the dragon. But God had a plan to redeem all of that. And, uh, and, and so the forecasted event is seen here. Um, she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And it actually speaks of that in, uh, in Psalm uh, chapter 2. Let's go back to sh- Psalm chapter 2. Look at a number of scriptures here. But, you know, it's hard to look at these, at these events without connecting them to, to the prophecy related to them. So look at Psalm chapter 2. This is a messianic psalm, so it speaks of Jesus. And it says here in Psalm 2, look at verse, look at verse 2 there. Um, it says, And the kings of the earth set themselves... And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. And look down at uh, at verse uh, 7. It says, And I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Look at this, verse 9. Here's the language. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now you say, well, I'll go back to Revelation 12 now, please. Uh, you say, well, you know, I mean, Jesus came and, and he came as a baby and then he grew up and he just, like, healed people and he held people and, and uh, ultimately he died and then he, he was ascended. Like, where is this whole thing of him being this ruler? Uh, we don't see that. Where is this thing of, of him ruling with this, as it were, this rod of iron, you know, and with unwavering justice and truth? Well, it's speaking of, of some future things here still. We're going to see, uh, as, we, as we finish the book of Revelation, a time when Jesus is going to be the one that's directly in control of the government, the affairs here in, uh, on earth. And, uh, you know, there's not going to be any more discussion about it. There's not going to be, um, you know, any more legislation. There's not going to be any, any uh, 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 uh Elections. It's not going to be campaigns. It's just going to be Jesus, full of truth, the righteous judge, saying this is the way that it is, and this is the way that we're going to do things, because this is right. And he's going to rule with a rod of iron. What a wonderful time that's going to be. I mean, wouldn't you like to see somebody in charge now that had it right, (laughs) and uh, that that was not only godly, but... Was God themselves and and uh, had His heart and His love and His grace and His mercy and all the righteousness had it all intact? Man, thinking about that is it's, it's incredible, and so those things are are going to come, but that was the child that was born. All right, so it's not just this just just this little baby in a ma- the manger scene and just this quaint little scene. I mean, the implications of it are eternal. And they're huge, and they're of a magnitude that we can't probably even totally grasp as human beings right now, even though we've, given, we've been given a lot of the, the, the magnitude. And, uh, and so um, the fourth point that we're going to see here in this passage is we've talked about the fearsome foe, and, and we're going to see here that the foe ultimately is defeated. And that's what was depicted back in, because you might be like, well, you know, it seems like this dragon is just having his way, and, and, he, and he's, he's, uh, he's re- wreaking havoc, and, and he's destroying still. Like, you know, why does it say that his head is crushed? Well, let's read on here in this passage. Let's pick it up at verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 7. It says, there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought against uh, fought his angels. So these are the, you know, the battles in the unseen realm. And prevailed not. That is, the dragon did not prevail. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. So if you're wondering you know, who the dragon was, I mean, he's, he's the serpent, he's the devil, he's Satan. They're all one and the same. Which deceiveth the whole world. Now, if you're in this world and you think that this world is generally characterized by truth and that the philosophies that are going to swirl around are going to generally be true and you can, you, can, you, know, you can take them at face value and say, most people are going to get it right. That's not what it's saying here. We live in a deceived world. You know how a deceived world gets it right? By looking at the truth teller. And that's God in his word. And uh, it says there... Um, they prevailed not. Verse eight: The great dragon was cast out, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast uh, out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So that's that's this is where he's working now. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, "Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God. When through the nativity, through the birth of Jesus, through who Jesus was, who ultimately will rule, um, and he's on the throne now. But uh, you understand, he's letting some things play out here on earth." and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. Is that like a giant woodpecker out there, or what? Where's that coming from? Oh, it's upstairs? Hey, get those kids under control up there. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, what verse are we in here? Accuse them. The one who accused them, he's the accuser of the brethren. Look at that. Which accused them before God day and night. Aren't you glad that he's going to be dealt with eventually? I mean, this. This guy that's just, you know, accusing the brethren 24 7, just messing things up, deceiving. He's a separator. He's one the just wants things to be uh, uh, in the church, to be divided, and to not bring glory to God. Man, it's going to be good when he's shut down once and for all. And, uh, It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. We're going to talk about who they are uh, next time. And then it says, um, uh, therefore rejoice, ye heavens, that ye dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. What? Why? For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he has but a short time. You say, well, this has been going on for thousands of years. Yeah, but it's still a short time in relation to eternity. And he doesn't know when his time is going to be out, so what's he doing in the meantime? Since he's been kicked out of heaven as the rebellious one, he's wreaking as much havoc as he can on earth and taking as much down with him as possible. We got to take that seriously, right? We don't want to be one of the casualties for that, and we don't have to be. We don't have to be because God has never floundered in His control. His plan through the woman, the seed of the woman, was intact. We look; it happened, right? Uh, Jesus was, was protected, he went, he, he, he gave his life uh, for us, he was resurrected. Um, what does it say back there in, in, uh, in verse 5? It says, and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. We know he has ascended for now, hasn't he? He's making preparations. He's at the right hand um, of the Father. And uh, so the Bible um, is, 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 uh, is thorough. And uh, we know through many of the accounts of Scripture that the devil is doomed. He is the biggest loser, ultimately. Uh, We know that he is cast down. We know that his head is crushed. Upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he was finished. The only recourse that he has now is that which is allowed by human beings. Just like the beginning, mankind walked in fellowship with God. They walked in the cool of the garden. They had perfect and open communication with uh, the Lord. What did they do? They willfully allowed the subtle one to have recourse in their life. And that's the only way he has recourse now. That's the only way he has recourse. Why? Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And, uh, you know, the, the birth of Jesus Christ was a tremendously hated event by the enemy. That's why we celebrate it. What a glorious time of of victory in the plan of God, through which he said, the woman is going to travail, but ultimately, this plan, it will be birthed, and it will be protected, and it will be healthy, and it will stand the test of time, and it will be eternal so that you and I can have a re- an eternal relationship with the uh, uh, the plan maker and the giver and the one who loves us enough uh, to put all that together. And I said, Oh man, I didn't know. You know, the nativity was in the book of Revelation. Uh, I've seen it before, but you know, I thought of it in a fresh way. And I thought, Man, what good timing right there. We're in Revelation t- uh, chapter twelve. And uh, if you want a Christmas message, there it is. But look, think of it in the context in which it falls here. What a battle it was and what a battle it continues to be. What a privilege it is for us to be in, you know, in that battle um, to, uh, to fight for the souls of men um, in relation to the great plan of the gospel. And uh, I hope you're alert to it. If you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ as your personal savior, this would be a great time of the year for you to do that, you know? Uh, we're giving gifts and stuff now and everything, but the greatest gift sometimes goes unopened. The gift of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a tragic thing. I mean, you say you had something you always wanted, right? And it just sat there and then you never opened it. What good would that do? Uh, Jesus says, hey, whosoever will may come. I love you. I extended my love to you while you were a sinner. I died for you. And uh, I want to give you that gift of eternal life. Salvation by grace through faith. Aren't you glad that he made it uh, available to you? Aren't you happy for that gift? Let's pray.